This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, right now, do you think you're going to get out of this? Just... Oh, I like it. What, on goal yes. difference? Go on, give it me, Chris. Tell us how. Well, I think we'll do it by a point. So you've already sat there, because we all do it, right? We all sit there, look at the league table, work yeah, out the games. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've been doing it for the last four or five weeks, working out what Leicester can do, what Wolves can do, Man United. You know, and there's so many different permutations. I sometimes look at it and go, oh, no, we're going to miss out. It's, the result's going to go against us. And then you go back a week later, you're like, do you know what? Actually, things are looking a little bit more rosy. You generally believe that, yeah? Yes. Firmly. Yes. Firmly. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh, called My Old Man. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, your host, joining me for, what is it, the survival special? Could well be. Mr. Chris Budd, Hello. welcome back. And Mr. Dan Rogers from thevillaunderground.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello. None of this was ever in doubt. Let the record show. <laughs> <laughs> I predicted this would be some survival. <laughs> can, can you imagine what the relegation is going to be like from here? Oh, the anguish. <laughs> <laughs> the false hope, the false oh. hope. One last, one last twist in the tale. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we will uh, be discussing, of course, uh, Aston Villa's uh, fabulous win. The first time in 22 years they've beaten Henry Lansbury's Arsenal. Well, that's what it could have been if Henry Lansbury was any good. He got on the pitch there. I thought that was a, it was a beautiful moment. 
getting on the pitch against his old club, his former club. Didn't touch the ball, though. Almost poetic, some say. Smith likes him. He was giving him a nice little pat on the back before he went on. He, he, <laughs> he, he does. He, he's, he treats him like his son. That's why he's uh, kept him around. That's why he wraps him in cotton wool, isn't it, for his hamstrings? Yeah. Anyway, coming up in the show, we will uh, have a look at the Arsenal game. Uh, there's always things that Villa can't do. One of them was beat Arsenal at Villa Park. Another one is beat Man United at Villa Park. Liverpool at Villa Park as well is sometimes pretty difficult but when the chips were down we pulled it out of the bag and uh, I don't know how miraculously uh, other clubs the last thing they want to do is it seems is to stay in the Premier League so we've taken full advantage of that we'll look at this survival picture going into the last uh, weekend of the Premier League and uh, we are on the grid in pole position uh, at the moment in terms of the uh, teams that can still drop out coming up uh, also uh, uh, quickly, we will uh, look at the three points. We will look at uh, Nigel Pearson getting sacked, which uh, has huge relevancy for Villa's predicament. Uh, Coventry City have light at the end of the tum- tunnel in terms of uh, having uh, a stadium to play in and not having to uh, go through the turmoil of playing at, uh, what's it called again? The Trillion Dollar Stadium, Trillion Trophy. 150 billion million. And we, <laughs> what minutes since they last won? And uh, finally, we will also quickly look at uh, another LA Los Angeles team uh, being founded out of uh, thin air. And coming up to close off the show, uh, finally, uh, the underrated and overrated featuring Mr. Mark Delaney and Mr. Charlie and Zogbia, Charles to his friends. Right then, uh, any villain news? Uh, Nothing really doing the rounds. Obviously, the focus is on uh, trying to avoid the drop. A few people have started to get refunds dropping in for their season tickets. Also, in terms of next season, we're starting... Well, actually, there's the Warwickshire are trialling... Uh, is it Bears versus Warwickshire? Bears v. Pears. Yeah, Bears v. the Pears, yeah. The, the so-called local derby. Was it the second day they're going to have some fans in? They're yeah, they're going to allow members fans back. free tickets. I mean, it's, the thing is... County Championship cricket, you have about, I don't know, a couple of hundred people in a ground that holds like 25,500. Not on that day, matey. Yeah. <laughs> Social distancing is normally in full effect in county cricket anyway. But uh, but no, that is a clue that uh, that's just one of the uh, sporting events in the country that are starting to, uh, let's say, test the waters. But uh, the first reports are October seems a, a likely date. Uh, we're still waiting for Aston Villa to uh, reach out to their fans. And uh, it looks like I'll have to... Uh, send them a message to uh, start discussing the implications of uh, fans going back. Uh, yeah, if you could remind them we're still here. Yeah, nice. I will do, actually. It's my it's my duty to my brethren. Right, so also uh, we found out if we do stay in the Premier League, we will be playing Leeds West Brom. That's for certain as the championship drew to a close. It's weird. I mean, Premier League doesn't lo- doesn't look like teams want to stay up in the Premier League, and then you look at the uh, Championship automatic promotion picture, and there was three teams who were still in the mix: Baggies, Brentford, Fulham, and uh, God knows what was going on there. But uh, Brentford burnt out in the last, bottled it in the last two games after swipe, you know, wiping all teams that crossed their path away, and then the last two games, and they're playing uh, nothing special. Was it S- Stoke and then Barnsley? Yeah, relegation fodder. Yeah, Brentford bottle jobs. Yeah, bottled it totally, and they will now play Swansea in the first playoff game. Went ballistic, didn't they? And Fulham could have uh, 
taken advantage and they also uh, bottled it and West Brom didn't even bother winning. They probably knew that nobody else wanted the job. So uh, <laughs> It's remarkable. that I think they're coming up in even worse shape than us in terms of squad. Who the bag is. Yeah. Yeah, because Brentford, if they had a, the game before this one, if they'd won that, they'd have been in pole position going into the last last day. It was a quite spectacular. They'd actually beaten the, the tougher team, shall we say, in the championship and bottled it at the end. And yeah, as Chris mentioned, Forest, unbelievable. They just yeah. need one one point. I mean, they've been in the playoffs for a long time now and were seen as a as a given to be in there. And with two games to go after faltering. They still just needed one point for to confirm it. And if they didn't get that, there needed to be a goal different swing of uh, seven goals, I think. And there they were getting beat 4-1, was it? And uh, Swansea managed to win 4-1. I fancy them against Brentford, actually. I think they're going to do them. And then I think Fulham will probably do Cardiff and it'll be Fulham versus uh, Swansea in the final. I mean, a, Sw- yeah. a Swansea-Cardiff yeah. final normally would be tasty, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be a, an interesting one for sure. But then again, it's it's not that interesting when the fans aren't there. So uh, it's probably not as uh, tasty as it uh, first sounds. Anyway, hopefully uh, we will... Uh, I mean, the upshot is, I think... I think the Premier League will be a better league next year with uh, the Leeds and the Baggies in. And uh, if they say, uh, you know, Swansea or Fulham get up, I think it improves on your... Bournemouth, Watford and Norwich. See ya. Yeah, yeah, it's an upgrade in the product, <laughs> isn't it, you'd say? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's of course if Villa, uh, Villa stay up, if Villa go down, then it's a massive uh, decrease in the product. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, obviously we've played our Hawkeye card already, so uh, yeah. that, that guarantees us Premier League status over and above the parochial uh, <laughs> clog dancers from the, from the regions, so we would be fine. <laughs> right, anyway, uh, on to the three points. Uh, point number one, Bit of a bizarre one. Uh, Nigel Pearson getting sacked. Two games to go. Completely illogical. I mean, I was looking at uh, some of the social media around this and uh, everybody's pointing the finger at uh, Deeney saying that he had the influence and it was, you know, the dressing room that uh, had grassed up Pearson and all hell had broke loose at half time. But everybody seems to deny there was any fisticuffs or anything like that. Listeners out there will probably know more than we do. But the upshot is, even if... uh, you fall out with your manager. I'm talking from a chairman, owner's point of view. You still think, right, two games to go. You're a cunt. You think I'm a cunt. You keep us up. We'll give you a million, two million, whatever the bonus is, and then you can do one. Or if you uh, get as relegated, you can do one anyway. But you don't just get rid of them because, as I was saying in Match Club, you, f- you still fancy Watford's just from the fact that under Pearson, they managed to beat United, Wolves and Liverpool. And with that fixture list, you'd still, you know, they could do something against Manchester City or they could do something against uh, Arsenal, who would be thinking about the FA Cup final. But now, I mean, we saw what happened. Uh, City just, you know, picked them apart and probably Ben Foster kept the score down. I saw uh, Foster's post-match interview and he just said, our confidence is on the floor. Yeah. I mean, they've dispatched a manager who has the highest win ratio in 13 managers that they've had. They have absolutely imploded at the worst possible time. I agree with what you're saying, David. Irrelevant of what you think of Pearson. I mean, he was no different a character to when they when they got him in. And that's yeah. what's dragged them kicking and screaming ultimately. I, yeah. It's played into our hands ultimately. I mean, I'd, I'd said before, you know, we played that it had the almost the air of you know, last season with the, all these little strands, all just you know the stars aligning. You know when things like that are happening to your, your opponents at this time of the season, you just think, "Hang on a minute, there's, there's something going on here." And the subtle the subtle change between Pearson being sacked and and Villa's results against Arsenal 
was the shift in goal difference. That was as important to me as, as the yeah. points thing because Agreed. we, you know, they got they got mentally destroyed against Manchester City and then to have to go home yeah. and sit and watch Villa go above them. That's, um, we're winning the mental game now. Yeah. And uh, just like to thank Manchester City. I mean, we'd all break out into a chorus of blue moon, but you couldn't have asked for I mean, you, somebody said, what What do you want no. the Manchester City Watford score to be? You'd probably joke, say, yeah, 4-0. And, it was a uh, mercy killing in the end. They, 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 gave, yeah. they gave them sympathy. They stopped. Yeah. And uh, so that actually brings in, uh, well, we'll talk about it later on, but uh, Bournemouth still alive if Filler uh, failed to turn up on the last day, uh, it has to be said. Point number two are, uh, they're not really rivals, uh, although I think they like to try to make out they are. Uh, Coventry City have announced plans. That I think if anybody gave Coventry City a sniff of a chance of a new stadium, they'd be announcing plans because, uh, you know, the fact that they've had to uh, squat almost at uh, the trillion Trilby Stadium or whatever it's called. Well, they had to squat in their own stadium, didn't they? (laughs) Yeah, they did, actually. But uh, they have uh, revealed plans to return. I think it's at the outskirts of uh, Coventry. Yeah, it's like a joint venture with Warwick Uni, I think. Yeah, uh, with the University of Warwick. uh, I think it's the southwest edge of the uh, city. Uh, The university owns some land there and... I think it's still a long shot, is it not? Well, there's In no, terms there's of no funding. The time, time yeah, frame, yeah. Th- there's no funding agreed for it. So I think that the, the, it's an ambitious plan, and perhaps the publicity around it is to generate a little bit of uh, a private yeah. private investment. The only comparison I can think of is um, Bristol Rovers' ground that was built on the edge of the University of West England's uh, site. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we will see. I mean, it's a long way from being built, and there's some, you know, there's some suggestion they could end up back at the Rica. Yeah, as uh, somebody uh, stated, I think close to the project said that you know you're still looking if everything goes goes swimmingly you're still looking at two to three years before the earth is cut as in uh, they start to uh, lay down the foundations for that uh point number three meanwhile in la a uh, consortium uh, of i think 14 former u.s national women's players and also uh, actresses uh, jennifer garner Je- Jessica Chastain, America Ferrara, and Natalie Portman, amongst others, plus investors from uh, like media and technology, have got together to uh, propose a women's football team. Those who follow uh, MLS will know that uh, LAFC recently uh, rose out of thin air to be uh, another LA franchise to go along with LA Galaxy, but. Uh, the women's team haven't actually got a, a team in LA, and so uh, Natalie Portman, Jessica Chastain, all friends of the show, all friends of mine, have uh, created a consortium called Angel City, which actually would be a good name for the team, actually. But uh, they've, I think they, I mean, all those uh, women I've mentioned there, I've seen pictures of, um, I think on Natalie Portman's uh, Instagram about a year ago, her, Jessica Chastain, Jennifer Garner, etc., pitch side at a US uh, women's uh, game. So this has obviously been in the works uh, for a while. While now, and uh, I know you know most of those uh, actresses involved. So you know, are all about uh, empowering and uh, helping you know women's causes. So uh, it should be interesting to see how that project develops uh, henceforth. Any comments from you, chaps? Chris Bird, you alive? Honestly, it's it's not really a, st- a story I know that much about. To be honest with you, maybe you can be an, uh, a mascot. You can hold Natalie Portman's hand as as you run onto the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Firmly. <laughs> Firmly. Yeah, good pun. No, I mean, <laughs> 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 oh, dear. 
Mm. I think the firmly comet's wearing thin on Mr. Bud. Right, anyway, let's move on. Uh, first of all, before we get into uh, our match against Henry Lansbury's Arsenal, thank you very much to the My Old Man Sub patrons, as always, for keeping the show on the road. And uh, most of all, uh, thanks everybody who uh, turned up uh, in Match Club uh, by being a My Old Man Sub patron. One of the benefits is is you have an access all areas pass to Match Club. And we had our second post 1am uh, gathering uh, after the Arsenal game. Overwhelmed by numbers, to be honest. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, it's amazing that you know, I don't think people work anymore down there. They, they seem to be able, be able to stay up all hours. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I mean, we, we heard it all last night, didn't we? That we heard about, yeah. um, I mean, someone almost suffered <laughs> no. a, someone almost suffered a gentleman's explosion during, uh, <laughs> during the Trezeguet goal. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we can't talk about Match no. Club. No, no, uh, no, no, that's no, no. the first and second rule of uh, Match Club. But uh, if you do become a uh, My Own Man Said patron, or actually if you rejoin join as a my own my old man said patron uh, having been in the wilderness uh, and you were a uh, bmc before match club uh, i'm sure you will enjoy match club uh, especially uh, on the last day i mean manchester united won match club that went on to like half one in the morning Everton one was pretty tense, but the Arsenal one was finally we were we were getting some joy because it's been hard the initial uh, few weeks of Match Club because obviously Villa weren't really delivering much, so it was really therapy at the end of the day. But now it's it's almost like it was born for this moment. Yeah, everyone everyone's got their uh, they've come out fighting now. It's uh, it's it's we, well we can't talk about it, but it's uh, it's a show where actual it's real joining in it's not this like sending questions or whatever and engagement it's like uh, we're we're all one it's a fluid beautiful beast just want to say thank you for this week to uh, lewis gordon richard schultz andy Ryder, Tampax, and Daryl Barber for joining up as patrons, and also uh, a big thank you to David Waldron for upgrading as well. Welcome aboard! And, Hang on, uh, someone's called Tampax. <laughs> I I haven't edited it this week, yeah, and, no, and, yeah. and it's took me aback that I, I thought, did I edit it? <laughs> This is somebody who obviously knows the show well and and knows <laughs> what it, yeah. and, and knows what this uh, uh, shout out section is. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's Dan Rogers. <laughs> maybe it's Dan Rogers. It's a pseudonym. <laughs> so uh, obviously a fan of the show who knows it all too well. Welcome, Mister Pax or, or Miss. <laughs> Or Miss Packs. Right, anyway, but uh, if you want to sign up and join us in Match Club for the uh, Survival Sunday, as we're calling it, do go to the My Old Man Said website and check on the patron link and more details will be found there. Right, uh, let's get on to the main topic, which... Uh I mean, I, you know, I, I jokingly referred it as uh, Henry Lansbury's uh, Arsenal, mainly, you know, it's Frank Lampard's Chelsea and a uh, bit of a tenuous link. Uh, Henry Lansbury started there, never kind of made the grade there. But what we did find ourselves up against, Dean Smith's Aston Villa found themselves up against Steve Round's Arsenal engine. Hmm. Remember Steve Round, mm. ex-director of football, who was trying to build the Villa engine but just ran out of parts and he's <laughs> <laughs> and fuel. And now he's ended up uh, as uh, one of uh, Arteta's uh, assistant coaches. Uh, yeah, he was doing like lengths of the touchline with his iPad, wasn't he? Yeah, no, he's uh, he, lo- he loves he loves stats and all that he's kind going, of stuff. Oh, that Trezeguet looks good. Oh. Mm. <laughs> 
Anyway, in the context of this game, as we all well know, was we haven't beaten Arsenal at Villa Park since December 1998 under John Gregory. The whole Santa Claus parachuting accident, etc. This was 17 home games ago. Wow. And a few absolute maulings in the process. <sighs> Definitely. We used to get mauled by Arsenal even back in the day, mm-hmm. like in the 80s mm-hmm. and stuff. It's it, it kind of a weird bogey team. I remember they, they beat us, was it 6-2 or something? Uh, Woodcock scored five goals or something ridiculous. Tony, Tony Woodcock. There was a few times, even like in the early mid-90s, I remember them coming and beating us four at Villa Park with Ian Wright. And yeah. that wasn't when, he, particularly... when he ran from the halfway line, didn't he? And they were dreadful that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, long story short, when you've got to win your last two games to stay up, the last uh, last team, well, one of the last teams you, you, you would pick, actually, would be uh, bloody Arsenal at Villa Park. You'd even have them at the Emirates uh, over playing them at Villa Park. But anyway, so uh, stiff task ahead, but... Uh, Dean Smith blossomed, did he not? So, I mean, tactically astute. I think he changed the team about t- two or three times. Yeah, it was at least three in, times. In-game, yeah. I mean, what was, in terms of those shifts, what what, what were your, uh, what were the ones that stood out? Well, the, the obvious one, I suppose, was a forced one with, with uh, Gilbert. Um, that he, he, he appeared not having looked like he'd been away for five months. It was, I mean, he gave us energy. There was, there was clear passion. And I mean, it's, it's been circulating a lot. As a clip, but that that great tackle he made in the second half. But I thought it changed the whole dynamism of it. Um, the other things for me, just to interject mm. there, just I mean, while we're on Gilbert, mm. he did hit the ground running. Mm. And when we're talking about other players, like oh yeah, you need you six, seven games to get up to speed, and it's easy to find the the football cliche excuses because we were worried. Is the reason why he's you know he's he's been frozen out of the picture, so to speak, was you know. There was talk that he had some COVID complications and he had to stay back in France. There was injury uh, concerns and uh, yeah, he was as fresh as a daisy, wasn't he? <laughs> and up for the fight. He was well up for it. Um, and, and I thought it, it changed it changed our whole approach on the right-hand side. It gave Arsenal something to think about. Uh, I thought it complemented really. I thought how, how Luis plays is he immediately had someone who was available to take a pass to his right. Uh, I thought a lot of things changed in game that were really, really positive. Grealish was further up the pitch and willing to to run at the defence. Um, Hurahan was very, very dangerous from set plays, and I think playing on the front foot. And McGinn probably had his his best game since uh, returning from injury as well. When I was talking about Smith, uh, he he was actually making formation changes, was he not? And, and McGinn was kind of central to that. Yeah. So obviously. Arsenal play with a back three, but they play very a wide setup. Villa were a little bit more narrow with the front three and three in midfield. And for the first sort of twenty minutes, we were getting outnumbered every time. And Arsenal would overload on either fullback. Um, yeah. I mean, if, and if we could see it on the telly, I'm sure Smith knew, and he changed it quite quickly to a four-one-four-one. He slotted um, the wide guys in a little bit tighter, and then he put um, Louise in front of the back four and behind the midfield just to sweep up essentially, and it worked really well. And then he changed it slightly in the second half with pushing McGinn almost into like a four four two or a four four one one, and just just to get someone closer to um, Samata. Yeah, and he just got McGinn sort of just pressuring the back four a little bit and just giving them something to think about and pressing from the front basically because we basically played a low block, but you do need someone to kind of be like the windscreen wipers at the front as well to kind of just 
help. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just so easy for them, and they're always going to have an out ball. And that was the thing, um, as Dan mentioned, with Gilbert, he gives you the out ball because because he can carry the ball. And I mentioned it a few times that there were there were various occasions during the game where you would hear Smith on the touchline when a Villa player would get the ball, and he'd simply scream, "Travel, just yeah. get up, get up the fucking field," because it just gives he said you that to Grealish, to, yeah, a few times. Yeah, it just gives you somewhere to build from. I and mean, I've semi-jokingly called it like setting up base camp, but it's the... It's, no, it's, don't say that it's, again. It's, I hate it's, that it's, phrase. It's, it's getting, uh, that, I'm going to keep saying I'm going to say it just to wind you up now. Dan's going to put it on a T-shirt now. And, um, but it's, it's it's getting yourselves into a position where you can start to hurt the opposition. You know, if, if Jack's dropping out into his, you know, taking the ball off the centre-halves, that's just not going no good for us, especially when you know that Louise can do that role more than well. I'll tell you someone who did set up base camp. Did, no, uh, don't uh, say that phrase, <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> um, wh- 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 how do we feel about Samata's performance? Willing, willing but ineffective. Let's just finish on Smith. I, I thought, uh, as, as uh, Chris was explaining, he, he nullified Arsenal very well with that switch. And, you know, you just you only have to look at the main headline stats that they didn't have one shot on target. No, and considering you've got, like, you know, Aubameyang and Lacazette, these are two... Like, Truly world-class strikers who, who didn't get a sniff all game. Well, yeah, and, yeah he's got the, the most goals in over the last two seasons in the yeah. Premier League. And I mean, we mentioned obviously how Villa set up, but I'd, I kind of expected Arsenal to be a little bit leggy. They made six changes, but it showed why they're tenth compared to the the teams they aspire yeah. to be. Because I don't that's, think that's Arsenal fair. Arsenal aren't good enough at the moment to make six changes and be a strong side. Their first choice eleven which I think will be more the team that probably plays against Watford and will be pushing for places for the cup final, is a strong team. But when they drop people out, I, I, I think they lack a little bit of energy. I'd said before the game that I thought Villa having sort of four days recovery time and Arsenal only having two after a really, really intense game against City. And, the, you know, it, it kind of had a bit of after the Lord Mayor's show written all over it from their point of view. Some of Arsenal's best performances recently have been when they've been able to counter-attack teams and, um, you know, when they're... Villa kind of, as I said, they set up a low block and just said to Arsenal, well, okay, you can have the ball at the back and we'll press you when you come over the halfway line. Yeah, because I, I, I think you, you might remember me saying uh, in, in Match Club that I wasn't too bothered about the, the initial uh, exchanges in the game. It was, you know, it was quite boring and a tepid affair and nobody was, uh, let's say, uh, getting out the traps fast. The shackles went off and I thought that kind of suits Villa. Just, this just kind of grind them down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, just ease and, into uh, the game as well and try and, yeah. try and just see what Arsenal's rhythm is and then we'll counter it rather than saying, we're going to do our thing and then potentially burning yourself out after, by the first drinks break. Yeah, we didn't need to be so desperate, uh, even though a lot was on the line. We could we could uh, feel our way into it and then uh, release the wrath of the Egyptian god. From yet another Horahan set piece. What is it now? For five, uh, I think it's five assists in four games he's been involved in now. Mm. It's brilliant. Horahan's been very, very effective, hasn't he? Yeah. And that's and as as everybody's said, and you see it online and pundits, etc., say that while he'll drift in and out of games, when he's on the field, he can and usually does make something happen. He always has done that. The the thing was what was levelled against him was we we become a bit lighter defensively in the midfield. But we can't the way we contain Arsenal there, Smith's obviously worked out how to and you know Horahan started the last couple of games he's he's circumnavigated it because we've you know we've got two clean sheets out the last three games and uh, arguably should have had three out of three so that yeah. shows you how and it wasn't a physical game either that it was no. it was the kind of game that that 
obviously suits suits Ahuran, and um, I think just to have someone who, though not perfect, is is clearly our best dead ball specialist, and his crosses. I mean, the fact that you know, as, as Chris just said, that five assists in you know that that is a, a season saving contribution. There's there's no doubt about it, really. Now, I mean, obviously Trezeguet's goal, his finish was 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 fantastic and um I've said a couple of times now that the, the sound of leather and, and football coming together yeah. as that as that smashed into the back of the net was um was up there really although nowadays it's plastic on plastic isn't <laughs> it <laughs> single use plastic on single use plastic <laughs> um <laughs> but it was uh, it was very very satisfying and um for I mean Chesagay again in, even in that half he he'd, he'd already done a few things that were incredibly frustrating that's how I'll describe it he has he's contributed uh, I mean he had a lot to do when that ball dropped and he lashed yeah. it home he, that's a a superb finish as good as you'll see as i was joking on uh, social media he seems to absorb criticism and slagging <laughs> off and <laughs> re- recycle it into goals <laughs> yeah it's remarkable really that, that I, I in a weird way he's 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 the most likable hate hateable player <laughs> yeah <he is. laughs> i think that we've ever, i don't dislike him at all really but his his work rate is fantastic and um yeah i think that's but, what smith likes isn't it he's a very mm, willing player well he's you know, the end product isn't quite there you can see he's growing in confidence and he you know, he put, he puts himself out there. You know, he puts himself into positions where he can make things happen, and you can't really argue with that. No, no, not not at all, not at all. And we've had plenty of midfielders who contributed nothing. Considering so many of our so-called strikers haven't been in these positions, you know, obviously Davis got into his position when he came on. You think any striker worth their salt at this level is burying that? Oh, uh, we we don't we don't buy strikers to score, Chris. <laughs> You're it's such, just, that's so distract- old school. It's just a distraction. <laughs> it's <decoy>. a diversion. <laughs> you know, we, we've seen like France and Spain win a World Cup without a proper striker. I mean, France had a striker, but it was a bit, I think it was 98, but he was a tenuous player. I mean, he, he wasn't doing anything. And then Spain obviously just got rid of the striker and uh, Villa this season uh, played without a striker as well. So yeah, they are overrated in B6 nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we, we class trend. them? Can we class them as the false nine, or are they just the invisible nine? A few seasons ago, we started off the season without a number nine. Nobody had the number nine. I think Sing- Scott Sinclair came in and took the number, if I'm not mistaken. And you know, I, I just saw that as an example of the state of our football club at the time that you would start the season without a number nine, like the most iconic number in in the game. Was that because Benteke was wearing twenty though? Well, no, you should have a bloody number nine striker, shouldn't you? Why didn't he want the shirt, I wonder? Oh, superstition, blah, blah, blah. But if that number nine shirt's available, you take it. But yeah, it's a bizarre one that that we would start a season without that number nine. But uh, anyway, we digress. We have uh, sent forwards now, but they're just there in spirit rather than uh, in terms of contribution. I mean, what I'll say about Davis is that at least he's getting into the positions. This isn't like he's, you know, because Samata, you think he's not even getting in front of goal. Yeah, I mean, the Davis wouldn't... It was a great move. He did the hard part. Yeah. I mean, it was a great yeah. Grealish... Great break, yeah. Great break. And then uh, that was the test where he was... And we'd, we've seen this in under-23 level when we've been to these games. And I've, I've mentioned it a couple of podcasts ago when old uh, Hepburn Murphy was put through and he and he was ahead of... Uh, I think it was the Celtic centre-back. This is under-23 level. And you thought, right, let's see how fast yeah, he I is. Yeah, I remember this. And, this, and, this, and the uh, under-23 Celtic centre-back et up 
the space between them, outrun him and just took the ball off him. And he, he was actually clean through. And he just thought, actually, he hasn't got lightning speed. He's not going to make it. And I knew in that moment, in this moment, Davis, 50-50 with the old Arsenal uh, player, and, and he shrugged him off and he was through. And he thought, right, even if he doesn't mm-hmm. score, you mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. there's potential here because this yeah. guy didn't give a fuck. He just shrugged that guy off yeah. like a rag doll. Yeah. So he's just got to work on his finishing. And I mean, I, I was saying in Match Club that it should come naturally uh, in terms of being a predator and wanting to score, just waking up in the morning and all you want to do is score. And I don't mean uh, in that way. I mean, on the football <laughs> We're not pitch. all Chris Bud. <laughs> I'm not talking about morning wood. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I think he lacks that. He doesn't seem to be nasty enough. He hasn't got that predatory uh, arrogance or, you know, he hasn't no, got any of those no. the facets that you... Uh, you know, you associate with strikers, whether it's arrogance or his confidence, shit house. Yeah, I, I think Chris is right. Yeah, he's almost too nice because he's out. You know, his, his overall game outside of the penalty area, in terms of his hold-up play and him being a genuine outlet, he's fantastic and he's such a willing runner and he can really bully. You know, the opposition against most centre backs. You just wish if he could put a few goals into yeah. his game, he wouldn't necessarily have to be like a twenty, thirty goals a season striker. No, if you can get to like you know twelve, thirteen, that would yeah. that would do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. And, and I, I said in the, the last podcast or the one before that there are some cliches that are banded around about players like like Davis, and he's actually a technically very good footballer. Yeah, um, and yeah, I think that on the ground's great. It's, it's excellent, and he's hold up playing, and he has a knack of when he does hold the ball up, he just buys a second where if someone's catching up with him, he can play it off, and it's it's a very he's very very tidy. Um, I do think that the chances like the one he had against Arsenal are the acid test for whether you're going to cut it at the top top level, and I, I you know I mean Premier League really. Yeah, it's it's like if he gets another one of those, you want to see him put it away. Well, it's the difference where we'll we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to them hitting the post in a minute. But it's the difference. It's the difference between feeling putting that comfort, that buffer zone between you, because that was a golden opportunity. It's also the kind of opportunity that when other teams get those chances against us, they take them. Um, and and like I said, if if he's if he's getting twelve, let's mm. say twelve, then that means you're you're picking up points there because of those goals, and it and it's and it turns you from a team. Fighting relegation to suddenly a team that's uh, at least mid-table. Yeah, I think so. I think so. The, my my optimism for Davis is is offset by real concern for Samata though, because I I am struggling to see what attributes he brings if it's not because it doesn't appear to be goals. Yeah, I mean, when, you know, if you just look at the uh, stats, for example, I mean, he he won six aerials, which is four more than any other Villa player. And six is doesn't really mean anything to anybody, but it's normally a, let's say it's it's a good it's a good stat. But I can't remember him, you know, winning anything. I don't know where. No. I think he was he was getting some knock ons. But he's, if you were an Arsenal defender, you don't feel the threat. No, and and I, I the, when I was pondering the, this team selection, because I think there was a few heads head scratching about why he was choosing opted to start. But I do think this comes to a tactical thing on the subject of Smith. Really, that it's it's better to introduce Davis later on than I think have Samata on the bench because I think you get some impact out of Davis and yeah. I think we're hoping for something from Samata that we're not seeing in, in, in match at the moment. No, I think if Davis had goals in him, he, he would be starting uh, without a doubt. Yeah, I agree. And then Samata would be only brought on for that extra forward. So you're playing two up front yeah, rather yeah, than yeah. a like rather than a like for like swap. Yeah, I agree. Other outstanding uh, performances. I mean, there was a lot of good performances, but I thought Konza uh, had mm. one of his better performances and uh, even got a, even got Mings out of jail uh, that one time when Mings seemed to miss kick it. I thought the back back four in general played well. Yeah, they held you know, they held Ars- Ar- Arsenal. Um, 
reasonably at arm's length. It was a really good sort of defensive unit, as it were. And we, I mean, that's something we've sort of thrown at Villa through the season is they haven't defended as a unit, as a team. It's always been Mings getting them out of trouble and it's been, yeah. you know, these like heroic blocks and stuff. The big difference in terms of that unit is uh, how Luis is covering and, and reading yeah. the game yeah. and getting around uh, yeah. and being very mobile in front of that back four. And that and that's, it's almost like, you know, when you, you come up with that cliche, uh, oh, the goalkeeper gives you confidence, gives the back four confidence and, you know, the vice versa but it's almost like they've got a goalkeeper in front of them now who gives them extra confidence because they know mm. he's going to be there to to help out and cover I mean credit to Smith there because apparently our, our expected goals a game was over two before the lockdown and now it's under one that is major progress which is major progress Hmm. That's conceding, is yes, it? Yes, yeah, expected goals conceded, yeah. And, and Luis, Luis has, has contributed massively to that. that he, he, his level of composure, his range of passing, his determination. And his savviness as well. Really, really, really good. And uh, you don't want to over-talk or talk up a player too much, but you, we really are starting to see that the top, top qualities that, that he's got that made it such a pain, I think, for Man City to lose him. But it's a night and day difference from how we viewed oh, him before yeah. the lockdown yeah. because we were looking at somebody who's maybe not not at the pace of the Premier League. He was a little casual at times, uh, you know, didn't really see the man on because he expected a bit more time. He doesn't waste anything now. It's, it's uh, as you say, night and day, isn't it? And he can get himself out of... Uh, cul-de-sacs and trouble and and I like that he's he's got that sort of little bit of shit house about him that he will he will get a booking by about 75 minutes for persistent yeah, niggly yeah. fouls he will break the game up if he has to this is one of the the uh I mean we have to stay up obviously uh to keep most of these players and uh, build onwards but you start to see uh the potential here of you know Louise and Grealish with another you know another ten games between them mm. de- developing mm. an understanding Davis and Grealish developing more of an understanding uh, they've obviously played through the youth ranks but uh, Davis is a you know different beast now he's is uh, somebody who the way he plays would only benefit uh, you know playing with Grealish so you know Grealish disappears now it's it's kind of ah okay that's a bit of a false start there because we were developing something that potentially could be uh, you know all you've got to do is add a bit of extra quality on on the wide midfield and then get a decent striker and uh, you've suddenly got a different dynamic altogether because your defence has suddenly found its feet and You've starting to uh, Louise with McGinn, and you've suddenly got a midfield that's starting to look a bit better. But hey ho, do we want to talk about how all of our hearts stopped when the ball hit the post? Just stop them thinking about it again. <laughs> well, I thought it was a goal. <laughs> I was convinced it was. I mean, goal. it should have been really. You know, if the guy makes contact, he should score. It was almost like somebody said, "Right, here's the script. You know how it goes," and you're like, "Yeah, fair enough. It's a goal." I okay, thought they brought one, Theo one Walker on. Because the way it just played out in exactly the same way. Theo Walcott's Arsenal. (laughs) Theo Walcott's Arsenal, yes. Um, I mean... I described in Match Club, my, my, you probably would have heard my screams wherever you were in, in the world <laughs> as the ball not only ricocheted back, but, but Rainer did his best circus juggling act uh, before, before somehow lying on the ball. I would have kissed the ball. I'd have kissed Rainer if I'd have been there. And the collective relief on the faces of the Villa players. Yeah, and especially Gilbert, who yeah. was blowing his cheeks out as he was running yeah. away. Uh, but that's the thing, uh, isn't it? When you when you put in a performance like Villa did, you almost deserve those little 
lucky breaks. Whereas so many times this season, Villa haven't done enough to earn the lucky yeah. breaks. No, absolutely. And to be honest, they weren't holding on like desperados, were they? They were still creating enough up top to. No, uh, I mean it was yeah. it was, ner- keep, it was nervy. Keep them honest. Yeah, it was it was nervy and horrible experience because we knew what it meant. But it wasn't like Arsenal were peppering the goal. No, no. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, granted, they didn't have that much motivation to uh, set about as a lot of people uh, talking about Grealish's last game, blah blah blah. But I mean, that, that that's as I said before the uh, game on uh, I think on Twitter. Uh, I said this is all about Villa surviving. I mean, it doesn't mm. really matter about Grealish's future. That can be spoken about uh, yeah, when Jack, the final whistle to, goes yeah. against West Ham. Yeah, he needs to secure the future of his club first, and that means going to West Ham. Well, first it was getting yeah. you know playing well against Arsenal. Now he has to play even better against West Ham, if he can. Yeah, and he, you know he's playing as part of a team to uh, keep the club up. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And uh, I thought he should have straight batted that uh, interview with Sky at the end of it because uh, he, just by his kind of his emotions and response, he, you know, cat out the bag and really should be telling Sky to get the fuck out of there, uh, mm. asking questions when the predicament is, well, hang on a minute, it's still a game to go of Aston Villa season. So, you know, shut the fuck up. Yeah, it's certainly a bit of a cheeky question to throw that in at the end of the game, but you knew they were gonna. Yeah, it's it's because they don't, you know, actually care about the football side of things. No, it's, of they just they want don't. the headlines. That's a very good point, and it immediately changed the narrative from from a, a vital win, and they'll they'll go heavy on the marketing for Survival Sunday. Um, but actually, that's fed a load of clickbait bollocks today, um, and they're in the days that follow on on a story that pretty much everyone knows all the detail of already. Yeah, I mean, how many times? How many? <laughs> I mean, I, I wrote one story about Grealish and Money Night basically saying this is why this story keeps getting repeated because Manchester United have got a massive fan base around the world and all these outlets and newspapers just need to feed them because they know they're there for the taking they just have to come up with a story and nobody's advanced this story and it's been the same old shit well Solskjaer's even said he's been quoted in his his press conferences saying that that's not a that hasn't been a, a conversation that they've even had yeah so it's almost uh like it's been willed into existence um Mm. Regardless of it's true or not, it's been going on for so for so long. And Sky, you know, Sky are also, uh, you know, the Murdoch. They own Talksport. They own uh, all these newspapers. So they are creating content for themselves to make more money from. It's yep. this is how it's all set up. It's it's not by chance. They ask questions like that. And, and I'll just I'll end the greedish bit from my point of view on on the one elephant in the room is that if we if we stay up, I think that our owners have got an opportunity to Grealish's ambition aside, 
I think if it's a matter of money, I don't think that's what it, what it really is. But I think if Villa have got a genuine ambition to build a, a football team around him and around a core group of players, we, we may have that opportunity. I'm not going to say it's easy. I'm not going to say that his head hasn't been turned um, by trophies or the prospect of them. But but it's not it, it's not in the narrative, and, and I don't think it's off the table completely at this point. It's you know it's hard to uh, what, what you, you kind of want to say and what you don't want to say. But uh, in in the theory of uh, regardless of if Grealish is signed to go anywhere. This was always going to be a transition season. So if Grealish, for example, if you're a footballer, you might as well have gone last season rather than, oh, well, I'll do a season mm-hmm. in the Premier League with exactly. Villa. What, what, what are you trying to achieve? Because it's, it's always going to be a transition season. You know, Dean Smith himself mapped that out and said, it's going to be difficult this year, but our second season, there'll be a big kick on. And we're in a situation where you know it's, it's night and day, the differences of where Villa's future is in the next five years depends on Sunday. If we win, then that transition season kicks in. We've done exactly what Leicester did and we're going to win the league next season. <laughs> no, no, but, but, you know, a variation on that theme, you kick on and suddenly people say, oh, you're not just a yo-yo club, so I might want to sign for you now. Yeah, exactly. They actually believe, I mean, what we've been telling players to sign in the last few years, we've just been making empty promises. We, we First of all, we say, oh, we won the European Cup. Here's the trophy. Have a look at that. Are you fancy playing for us? And then we say, oh, yeah, big plans, big owners. Oh, yeah. And we, there's nothing really uh, tangible there. But at least if we stay up, then, all right, we're in the Premier League for good now. And uh, it was always going to be a difficult first season. So there's not that many teams really kicking on at the moment, apart from Liverpool and Manchester City. They're the established teams. So if he goes to one of them, fair enough. Uh, you know, he might be, I don't think he'll be starting every game. But any other team, Villa, if the owners are for real, have a chance, if they're savvy in, in who they buy, to, let's say, up the ante a bit more. There won't be that, f- if they really get their shit together, they won't be that far behind your Arsenal's, your Manchester United's, in terms of, uh, they're both teams in transition. So you could, be in a position like a Leicester if it all clicks and you can and you start to see it's starting to click now we're much harder to break down and we're not as sloppy and stupid as before and we always said we were in games for most of the season we were just finding our feet yeah I, I agree with that and I think that there's, there's subtler examples as well that, that there's that there's different models at play and look at the top half of the table look at how Wolves have constructed look at how you know it's not the kind of football I want to go for but in terms of personnel Burnley are hardly um, you know, that's not Hollywood football right there. Um, and, and Sheffield United, I know that they've faded post, post lockdown, but they've stuck to a very, very clear plan and strategy that works. And I, I think a big, I think a big part of this is, is I don't really buy into the notion that we got promoted early. I, I think we got promoted and we sort of had to deal with that. I do buy into the notion that we, we had so much change in terms of personnel. That our, and our attractiveness as a football club was lower. Yeah, there's no bad time to get promoted. I mean, no, you, no. you could you could say to Leeds fans, hey, I think you got promoted a bit late. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're no shit. <laughs> I mean, I think it's Smith said it, didn't he? If you're going to be rebuilding, you want to be rebuilding in the Premier League. You don't want to be rebuilding yeah. the Championship. Exactly. No. It's the caliber of player you can attract. That's not a rebuild in the championship. And all, yeah, also you're buying players that you might have to offload straight away if you get promoted because yeah. there's, there's no continuity. No. You Obviously, yeah. one or two will be good enough, but exactly. And and this is, you know, there's for some football fans, they hear something and then they parrot it, but it's actually not 
common sense. And no. so you hear, you know, first of all, yeah, we should, you know, when we were fighting relegation, oh, we need to go down and rebuild in the championship. It's like, no, nah, you just got to get the right manager and the right team and the right ethos and rebuild in the fucking Premier League because you'll find it a lot easier to attract better players. And, and that's what makes Sunday so important is that we've, we've by some, by some miracle, some good fortune and by, by finally getting it together and being determined on the pitch and actually playing to a frigging game plan that uh, it's, it's, pretty much in our hands now uh, that yeah. we, we just need to get through 90 minutes to, to in a similar in a similar vein as to how we performed against Arsenal actually that uh, we need a pretty agile clever ga- in-game plan to respond to a West Ham team that looks um, transformed really yeah. um, from even the early part of um, the post-lockdown and yeah. for all of the things that we've been saying those are just some of the headlines there are Getting relegated would be an absolute disaster from this for, for, for this football club, and and uh, even two or three weeks ago, it looked um, inevitable to, to be in a position where we're ninety minutes away from from making a huge stride forward into cementing ourselves into the Premier League, not just for this season, but but for you know on a five year plan, call it that's. Yeah. Must win. And the bottom yeah. line is, if we stay up, Grealish or no Grealish, we'll, we'll, we will improve next yeah. season without a doubt. If we go down, then oh shit, here we go again. We're in. Uh, we're back into Hades, trying to dig ourselves out of. Uh, well, we've of said hell. it numerous times. You know, you, you, we, are, and we are now finally right at the point of the crossroads. It's which way do you want to go now? You well, know, you, we, you've we, got some self determination that you get relegated, and you, yeah. can, you know, we, I, I can't sit here and pontificate whether Crack Grealish will stay. Of course, he'll go, but so will many of the core other players, and actually fringe players who we might not even bring up in discussion. They'll be off. Staying up and it allows us to, um, as I say, make our, own, make our own choices. And, and one final thing that I, I said in Match Club yesterday is that we we don't need to be sentimental. If we yeah, lose Grealish, yeah. we lose Grealish. Uh, you know that makes us no difference to any other football team. And, and Villa have been hard for their best players uh, throughout all of the modern era. And, and best players that have actually, I mean, w- when you've got like David Platt, for example, he exactly. scored over 20 goals in consecutive seasons from midfield and then also was a top man for England. When you lose him and, he, you know, he helped us get a promotion, so that matches up with Grealish. And then everything else he's done is, is way, way beyond mm-hmm. what Grealish has ever, you know, he hasn't had a chance to even, you know, try to achieve that yet but when you lose a player like that as a team then you think shit that's that's having the heart ripped out of the team exactly and we went on and spent that money from Platt and built within a couple of years we were challenging for the league title again and then won a cup the very next season and so that you could argue was an improvement of on that Villa team that had Platt in it I mean mm-hmm. and that in its for anybody who has seen the film that is the fundamental message behind Moneyball you know, the Oakland A's came up with the Moneyball thing because they had their three best players go to, like, you know, the Red Sox, the Yankees, and someone else. Yeah. They had that money. It's, well, how do you replace these guys in the aggregate? We can't just replace a like-for-like player. Like, I don't see Villa, for example. I mean, they won't get the kind of money, but we aren't going to go out and buy an £80 million midfielder on 100 grand a week plus, I don't think. We're just not. We'll buy one from, uh, we'll do the John Gregory approach and buy a six million Croatian <laughs> midfielder. <laughs> Wayne, why not no, get no, two? <laughs> no disrespect to Croatia because actually your, your football players are or generally we'll, uh, more more technically gifted. Or we'll go to ours. Crew Alexander and get ourselves a nice midfielder again. Yeah, well, well it worked but, for but Black. It's, but it's, a, it's about, you know, building a, building a team, building a squad, building a club and a sustainable system. And that's what the owners, who seems to have said all the right things in that, sense in terms of things like the academy that's what they know they need to build they can't just be yeah. and you see some fans moaning about you know as soon as we got the 
the result on uh, on Tuesday night against Arsenal. It was right. Who are we going to buy now if we stay up? And it's like, hang on a minute. Like the first thing is make make good with what you've got, and then add to it. Don't yeah. the default setting can't always be oh we've lost a couple of games. Fuck it, let's sack the manager or oh we're not doing very well. Sack the board. Yeah. We need a new owner. Or it's like you can't churn. It's the level of uh, there's a you know this is a certain level of football fan which is social media fueled and very knee jerk reactive and you know you don't run football clubs by that mentality no not successful ones I mean that's how Watford seemed to be uh, yeah. running the show anyway so uh, it's all on survival Sunday just quickly before we go into uh, uh, over underrated and overrated uh, quick permutations uh, Bournemouth still in play against Everton if they win then we need a point at least to uh, get them off our backs. Because if we lost, then uh, they would be above us if they win. And then uh, in terms of Watford, they need to better our result and then they'll be uh, above us. Are you guys confident? <laughs> the silence. Uh, uh, funny, funny enough, I was, more quiet, I, would, I was more quietly confident in terms of beating Arsenal Same. And, and being in the rat race at the end. But West Ham, it's, it's one of those, like, my crystal ball is cloudy and it could be win, lose mm. and draw. You know, you wouldn't be surprised with any of those permutations. I, I think, I mean, I've, I've written on my blog tonight that Villa most definitely should come with a health warning and I, I think that Sunday could be a prime example of that across oh, 90 God. minutes. It's, it's, it's foretold following this football club because the other side of the story is are Watford and Bournemouth really going to continue to self-destruct their way into the championship (laughs) Uh, because I mean they've surprised me already by how uh, they've fallen at certain fences and then you know Bournemouth and this is adds to the point Bournemouth come out of nowhere and hammer Leicester 4-1 so Mm. unpredictable is is the nature of both of those they're both capable on their day I mean you start to think oh if only we didn't gift Bournemouth six points this season we wouldn't be uh, having this conversation so you have to ask yourself what what are Everton doing because I thought Everton the Everton that played us you you think well if Bournemouth really want three points they could probably get them but then or or, you know Everton go and beat Sheffield United and uh, you know yeah yeah I'd have thought Sheffield United would have won that, you know, even playing at 50%. So the factor is what kind of Everton are turning up on that day. And and I think because it's Angelotti and he, he'll want something from his players and he's, he's trying to win the fans over, even though they're not going to be at Goodison, he'll still be busting asses to get uh, something from that game. So that's uh, that's the plus for that game. In terms of Watford, it's all about what, what Arteta and Steve Rounds... Uh, Arsenal engine are thinking about in terms of the FA Cup and how many players they're going to rest against uh, Watford. Do they want some kind of reaction to spark some momentum going into that game against Chelsea in the FA Cup? I think Arsenal players have got to try and stake a claim, haven't they? I mean, the ones that came in against Villa clearly didn't, but you know, the manager will clearly hope, be hoping that, well, you've, you've, you've got to give me a selection decision here, otherwise the team that turned over City will get the shirt so do you think he would go right those five guys I'm going to give them an extra week's rest so they got two weeks rest so they're super fresh but sometimes that plays against you yeah. or will he play the team that he intends to play in the final and because they'll have a week off it'll probably be somewhere in between if truth be told I'd, I'd imagine he'll, he'll use his main men and, and of course because you can make five subs he'll have them in the squad anyway I mean you look at what they brought off the bench against Villa yeah it was still some very good players. But then you're looking at, for positives for Villa, you're thinking, oh, Arsenal's attitude might not be there, but you look at the way that 
Manchester City could set about Watford and Watford seemed to be in terms of organisation in disarray and Arsenal are you know a footballing team and those some of the players they've got if they smell blood then yeah. that's when they kick into gear and that's that could be that if they get an early goal Watford have to then come out then I think it'll be curtains for Watford I'd, I tend to agree I mean Arsenal traditionally if, if you open yourselves up to them they can be I mean they're incredible to watch on a good day aren't they Arsenal so and potentially the fact that West Ham deservedly went to Old Trafford and got a result, secured their safety. It might be that, you know what, you might just lose the intensity, although they do look a very well-drilled side at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Against Arsenal, as I, as I mentioned, our best policy was to dampen that game in the early stages initially. Watford know they've got a better our results so if we go ahead against West Ham and, and the news trickles through the transistor radio on the bench of uh, Watford they'll know they'll have to open up and that's when Arsenal get dangerous this is this is one of those days or will be one of those days where you think this is where the lack of fans will be potentially it's most apparent yeah West Ham just very quickly uh yeah I always looked at that game where people going oh yeah we'll just go and beat West Ham on the last day as long as we're in you know in the race and I, I see West Ham as a difficult team for Villa to beat it's it's as in as they say in boxing styles make fights and we showed when we we're playing 10 men of West Ham that we really struggled still to get through them even though they didn't really threaten us when you you know you've seen them uh, in the restart they've been uh, possibly one of the the most improved teams within what they were doing before the restart yeah and i think there's there's a risk that we can underestimate that i i don't think i, I don't get that feeling from smith or or, or the villa team really and no, i think the last couple of weeks i think that we've got it you you could see that from the reactions at, at everton and um you know some of the reactions against arsenal for, for me west hammer we <laughs> In terms of West Ham needing to win, we're obviously playing them at the best time. I don't. I, I, it'd be speculation to know what that can, what what that will count for. Watford have got. The, I think we've won the mental game there, and unless that there's some sort of regrouping within that squad pretty quickly, I, I think again that's in our favour. And and I think to, to use your phrase, David, around the trickling down that Bournemouth hold the the, the Joker card, perhaps that they could, you know, by, by some yeah. collapse of both of us, um, sneak in. Um, but but I do wonder that if if we can go. I use the word with a strategy um, to, to West Ham and over 90 minutes. I think we've got enough having seen us beat Arsenal to do the, to do the same kind of job. I have been impressed with West Ham, but I, I hope that their lack of motivation could, could be in our favour now. Yeah, they swept Watford away. I mean, just, uh, I mean, I will, I will, if you want me to make a prediction, I will say exactly what Chris Budd said uh, before the opening credits <laughs> when he was on uh, the wireless uh, where he said he would do it by one point. And I can see Watford flunking it and Bournemouth winning and ourselves getting a draw in a in a drab game against West Ham, but it being on a knife edge and West Ham maybe hitting the post, Rayner oh. comes off comes off his head. <laughs> then <laughs> Skips it bounces off his head. Then it bounces off the post or oh, something. Grief. But uh, but yeah, I think that one point when uh, Chris Bud firmly said that uh, it did resonate. As I predicted before, I, I th- I'm confident we can go to West Ham and get a, a positive result. Whether that's a win or not, it's as you said, you know, the crystal ball is cloudy. Watford, personally, I, I just don't see it. Mm-hmm. I, it wouldn't even surprise me if all if all three sides got a draw. If Arsenal turn up and they are professional and they are up for it and looking ahead to the cup final, then they should surely have too much for them. Yeah, yeah I, I think I think Watford will lose, Bournemouth will win and we'll win. I'll have that. And then we can all look forward to a nice five, six week break. Yeah. No, the season starts the Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
We can start trolling leads. Await leads. <laughs> right. Uh, shall we uh, get on to the old uh, under and overrated? I think we should. Right. Underrated or overrated? Here we go. This is where we look back in Villa folklore and history and reappraise certain players that have crossed our paths. Right. Up this episode, we have the double delight of Mr. Mark Delaney and the, well, how, how do we describe him? Uh, mercurial, the lifestyle. Feckless. Uh, feckless. Absolute arsehole. <laughs> Why? You've never met him. How can you judge somebody that you've never met? Did, didn't Chris go out for dinner with him? <laughs> oh, it was yeah, it was him in a blonde wig, wasn't it? Mm. Mr. Charles and Zogbia. Let's start with uh, the the uh, the Delaney because it's a bit more. Uh, we've got to warm up to Zogbia, I feel. Mark Delaney. Why did we buy him? <laughs> Is this a John Gregory signing? Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. A John Gregory bargain. <laughs> we, yeah, we couldn't get a Croatian equivalent from <laughs> twenty grand. You haven't got a, you haven't got a brother, Bosco. <laughs> do not do not be disheartened by our tones. Uh, Mark Delaney is very well regarded in his position. Actually, uh, yeah, yeah, I think a lot. You know, a few people voting him for the greatest team of all time uh, thing that Villa are, are doing. What? I mean, a lot of that says uh, <laughs> a lot about our, about the right, our right back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking at the list you've compiled, David. Uh, yeah, maybe he is the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> our, our right back situation over well over decades in fact i mean there uh, were some decades we just didn't pick a right back that's what i heard yeah. <laughs> what rio coca that's why brian little went through at the back <laughs> carlos quaya <laughs> oh. yeah so so i ask you uh gentlemen why, why did we buy him what's the context well, he was born in born. He was uh, born he was in March. Born 90, in yeah, he was born once. He's been I reborn. Want, I don't want the whole story. Doug Ellis gave wife. birth to him. <laughs> yeah, we, want... we bought him at a time when it, Gary Charles was kind of coming to the end of his um, of his sort of tenure at Villa Park, um, and Steve, Steve Watson, Watson had kind of come in. Steve Watson. Um, so I'd imagine that Delaney would have been brought as backup. Yeah, but by the start of the next season, he'd kind of got the shirt from Steve Watson. Not hard. <laughs> it was literally his no. shirt. That's who we should have done. We should have done Steve Watson in That's this. That's next time, kids. <laughs> we'll do a Geordie special. Yes. And that was it. Well, well there you go. <laughs> I, uh, overrated or underrated? My memory of him is being... His fondness for Delaney, mm. is that something that's kind of developed with time? Because he was a bit of... Uh, mm. Was he a bit beige as a player? Yeah. Or? He was just unfashionable because he was... Just so sort of functional and consistent, but he was never like a functional is a very good word, I think, a, for Delaney. Trendy, you know, he 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 was sort of coming through that era when you were starting to get these like marauding fullbacks, and that and he'd he'd, he'd give it a go, but he was more Beige. defensively solid. You know, he loved a tackle, and if anything, that's probably what cost his career in the end. That he just was so physically committed, he just trashed his knee, didn't he? I think. Yeah, all I remember of Delaney really was his, he had these sideburns, which kind of seemed to be a bit longer than the, the, his hairstyle. Really, uh, you know, that didn't really go with his hair. It was, but it anyway. was, it was a little bit uh, fancy dress sort of hair stuck onto the side of his face, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit kind of Elvis impression. Uh, it, was a, it was a player that anyway. come up through like the, the Welsh league, hadn't he? I think he, I think he'd started at United sorry, as a Mark. kid. Yeah, ended sorry. up, ended up sort of having to go right to the bottom of the footballing pyramid. Yeah, um, and slowly worked his way back up. I think he'd obviously worked his way up to Cardiff, 
which would have been a big step from the League of Wales, and then to get a Premier League move to a time like you know a team like mm. Villa, who at the time were a, t- a regular top six side, yeah, would be considered a bit of a bargain. And you know, he, um, almost, he almost got to two hundred appearances, which uh, during those those kind of times uh, there was lots of in and in and ins and outs through the revolving door. And yeah. uh, you know, he is a proper Villa man at the end of the day, and obviously still with us. He kept Najwan Giri about the team as well. Yeah, he just he just made the most of what he had. I think you know, really professional, you know, um, really sort of reliable player. Which mm-hmm. I know Gregory liked those kind of players. We were very much like a bit of a workhorse team. I remember he was on the end of a terrible tackle at Fulham from was it Bottenegra? I think so. And it, it, certainly towards the end of his Villa career, yeah. he's, he's, he just got absolutely nailed with injuries, mm-hmm. didn't he? Through that sort of O'Leary era. He was very seldom in the team, um, and obviously by the time O'Neill came, I think he knew it was probably curtains. Once you know O'Neill started splashing the learner cash, yeah. um, you know, bringing in such superstars as Habib Bay and Luke Young. Well, well, let's, he didn't rush into a right back, if I remember rightly. I think we played a season without a right back on the roster. See, I told you. Yep. It was that the Quella Quella uh, Melberg years as mm. right right wing backs. Good grief. <laughs> When we weren't think, thinking, hmm, maybe this Rio Coca could be a good right back. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that was bizarre how a football team doesn't, like, when you sit down and you've got a bit of money because you've got a new owner, mm. doesn't actually go to the trouble of at least buying a first 11 that actually plays in their positions. No, no, no. Too simple that, that as, a, as a concept. It's very progressive. Right, Mark Delaney. I mean, also... Uh, good number of caps for Wales as well so I think if you were Mark Delaney as a football man and look back at your career I think you'd be pretty satisfied uh, with what you did you know as a pro mm. without uh, you know having a big did he has he got into Toto medals he I would have thought so yeah. Have, yeah he'd have been in he'd have been in around that team yeah some European sort of, honours as you'd call it yeah mm. European honours there you go great mm. career mm. right <laughs> and I've you know he played in the FA Cup I, I, mean, I didn't want to mention that no. because it's not no. I don't want to mention he was in that. I do F- remember he scored a cracker against Watford, though, very, very early in his Villa career. It was a great goal. Oh, you're the only one, Chris. Oh, Barely ever yeah. scored one since. Fullbacks <laughs> tend to score cracking goals. They don't score many of them, but they do tend to uh, go Between for the spectacular. Him and Alan Wright, yeah. yeah, even Staunton as well. Oh, and you can't right. mention Mark Delaney and Alan Wright, right, right in the same sentence. Goodness. Right, anyway, let's, let's go overrated or underrated. What are you saying? I'm going to go underrated. Especially considering what we paid for him, was it like half a million quid or something to stay at the club for? I think it was seven or eight years. Great bit of business. Yeah, to, and get a, a decent amount of performances, considering some of the cash we've squandered and some of the people we've squandered it yeah. on uh, that we've mentioned in this section. So yeah, I'll go underrated as well. Yeah, I'm going to go underrated on the basis of fee. Right. Okay. Right. Now on to Charles and Zogbier. <laughs> <laughs> quick, <laughs> quick, quick, Charles and Zogbier. Gentlemen, sharpen your tools. Right, so uh, the reason why we bought Charles and Zogbier was we had to appease the uh, the Pitchfork Brigade as we sold Ashley Young, mm. pretty much the man who, uh, I think he was probably uh, instrumental in Martin O'Neill's success. Uh, he was the main one, I think he was probably the best buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we sold him for a, a shed load of cash to United, and I think, I mean, being making a big generalisation here, but I think Charles Ingsugbier was about like a half price replacement. Oh yeah, we'll so not in all respects, not, not cheap though. No, it was a ten million pound buy, something like nine yeah, million so, pound buy, something like yeah, nine, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nine that is a figure that rings true not to cheap me for then, and not cheap considering we had inverted commas no money. But didn't he say? I always remember him when he was. Uh, who was he at before Wigan? Was it Newcastle? Yes. Yeah. 
when he was talking about he should be going to uh, Arsenal, he was talking about he should be playing <laughs> Champions League football and he should mm-hmm. be playing for teams like Arsenal and he ends up at Wigan. Mm-hmm. And then you start to think, uh, here's somebody who, uh, there was rumours of, uh, and I don't think we really did that due diligence on him, but bad attitude was something that oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. was always labelled at him. Definitely. At the same time, he used to score some fucking amazing goals for Wigan. And, uh, you know, he was a bit of a match of the day highlights man. So he, did he Emil always... Heskey, David. <laughs> no, but he would pop up scoring some uh, world worldies. So I think yeah. that's what Villa were thinking. They were thinking, well, less of this bad attitude might go on strike, might uh, sulk. It's he was called a sulk, wasn't he? Le sulk. Uh, le sulk. Yeah, forget about le sulk. Uh, let's, let's concentrate on these clips here. And, uh, you know, this this will bedazzle the fans who uh, are still mourning and wanting to know what's going to happen in terms of replacing Ashley Young. We were, we were beguiled by, he was your classic kind of player who from afar, like you say, you see, you see the clips and he always seemed to play really, really well against us, often down yeah. the right against Mark Delaney. No. Um, <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> he always looked brilliant everywhere and, and it's the kind of like I don't know maybe when you're making like relationship decisions you go well nah they're, they're not crazy it's just good character they're not sulky it's just they're dark and mysterious yeah no, melancholic no, no. they didn't try and kill me they're just passionate <laughs> <laughs> well that's an insight into Mr. Bo- um <laughs> In but the it was it was immediately a disaster, and I think Nzogbia traded off like a lot of players who who were fantastic and brilliant and world class in their own heads. He traded off a few singular moments that he was on the sky highlight reel, if you like, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, but he, yeah, he basically kept Wigan up, didn't he? One year towards the end of that, the one yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was one of those players that, uh, it's, it, I mean, going back to the relationship, it's like the girl with the abusive relationship where, oh, you know, I'll, I'll make him come good, you know, I'll, I'll cure him. And that's what we thought in Zogbia. We thought, you know, if we can get him doing what he did for Wigan, we'll be all right here. Yeah? Yeah. And anybody who was reading between the lines or did any due diligence just thought, yeah, stay clear of him. It's like when you, when you cast a film and, you, and you're a director and you're picking your actors, you want to work with actors who aren't arseholes. So you will talk to other directors who have worked with that actor and you'll get a bit of a background check because you don't want to be spending, you know, three months, six weeks, whatever, with a pain in the ass. And that's why, I mean, from my experience of meeting, you know, most of the actors uh, over like 10 years of meeting him, most of the people you meet are like, all, you know, all good people. And you think, ah, that's why they got all the jobs because they're just mm-hmm. like, they're easy to get on with, and mm-hmm. that's half the battle most of the time. And I think with Inzagbi, you would have just looked at him as a human being and just said, "Yeah, it's just it's not, not worth, worth it." it. No. The percentages are, you know, one wonder wonder goal for every twenty five games of not tracking back and doing nothing, and can suffer from the classic um, modern footballer syndrome of nothing's my fault either, and uh, yeah. you know, absolutely can't be blamed for anything, and at very, I suppose, relatively new ish when he was playing for us but vocal on social media as well yeah wasn't he half he only scored four goals for Villa by the way mm. in, in like five years he was in and out admittedly two, two, of, that, two of those goal, two of those goals he did score though were actually really big goals yeah 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 but he traded off that his entire career didn't he he was one of the first in the bomb squad and he mm. became one of those that uh, we were looking at mm. saying calling them leeches draining the club on these ridiculous wages that 
that was the stick that he was beaten with most of the time was uh, he was draining our club because he was on like 60,000 or whatever and uh, I mean he reckoned more when somebody uh, took mm-hmm. the piss but I don't know if he was just winding them up mm-hmm. but I think it was his last chance his last hurrah was when Sherwood came in and as managers that come into a dire situation they look around the squad and go oh he used to be good oh you know he, I've seen him on match of the day and he looked at Enzogabri and he thought right well the only chance I've got of sorting this shit show out is uh, getting some of these players to give me performances and you know you try to get Enzogbia going I mean he started the uh, Liverpool semi-final in the FA Cup and started in the first 11 uh, for the Arsenal game I mean he was soon subbed off after I think it was like about 53 minutes and Gabby and a very unfit Gabby came on for him but I think in, in the uh, the Liverpool game I think Sherwood made that tactical switch where he played Grealish who had I think he had like played his first Premier League game like two weeks before mm-hmm. less than two mm-hmm. weeks before and he played them as uh, two number 10s uh, kind of in the pockets in front of the, uh, the the back four of Liverpool so they didn't really I think what's the word he used uh, Sherwood said he bamboozled them so it's the shock of seeing him <laughs> <laughs> he's playing what he's playing in Zogbia the French Fenton <laughs> yeah, no, he did a French Fenton with him. Yeah. His best contribution, uh, well, from a f- fan point of view, was just entertaining fans on uh, Twitter with some of his spats with uh, people. I mean, he was, he was. I think he didn't, didn't he ask Sean Teal to? Uh, he retorted to Sean Teal when what was Sean Teal saying to him when he told him that he should be uh, polishing his uh, cars? Yeah, when Teal went, you should be polishing your skills for the weekend. Oh, I forget, I forget you don't get selected because no one rates you. And he came back with, I should be out polishing my cars because I don't rate you either. No, Sean Teal should be out polishing my cars because I don't rate you either. And, and then pretty much finished his Villa career by saying, I've been put into an iceberg with chains around it. They have thrown the keys into the deep ocean. Uh, AKA the bomb squad. What was the, uh, what was his greatest contribution, would you say, to being the positives i remember a really important free kick mm. against west ham um in front of the whole towards end. in front of the whole tend mm. yeah, it was a great goal mm. um he scored against manchester city in that cup game didn't he yeah i think he scored what would have been the winner that night in extra time in a horrible green kit but he was also <laughs> part of the team that completely lime green Br- mm. bradford Oh um, god! So those would probably, but those would probably be his two sort of more high-profile moments. They should be banned from the club if he was in that br- yeah. uh, team that got beat by Bradford. Over two legs and Millwall over two the weekend after. Legs. <sighs> I just, I just remember like him on Twitter, stupid outfits and the lifestyle. I really don't, I don't remember much of him on the field, if I'm honest. Well, Lansbury's just the new Enzogbia, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, I've said there, the Lansbury life, which is what I call him, but you always get the feeling that Lansbury's a little bit more uh, likeable with it. Probably not as good, of, not as capable of footballer, ironically. Yeah. No, but but far more professional and uh, like, probably I mean, a better I, personality around the place. For Zogby, you just you get the feeling he was just absolutely like toxic around the club. Uh, I think his hat was fantastic. That, you remember that hat? That, <laughs> that with the flowery, uh, flowery suit. Well, you would wear this. Uh, I don't know, what's the, the type of hat? But it would go with anything. Like just a fedora, wouldn't it? Yeah, because he could pull it off. So you got to give him props for that. He turned up before a game, didn't he? In his full like training kit with this stupid hat on. But it, but he could pull it off. Somehow it worked for him. It wouldn't work for any, you know, anybody. I don't think anybody it would else. Work for me, I just don't, don't do it. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, uh, I always remember the where uh, there's a uh, a Villa fan on Twitter. She got into uh, like a, an exchange with him, and he said, "Well, I'll talk. I'll tell you over dinner." And he took her out, but I don't think it was like a lechy thing. But uh, but she went for it, and you know they had a kind of chat, and I think he kind of explained his. Uh, explained his situation but you know you don't know what's uh, going on in these situations or you know where he's at i mean i suppose in that situation where you've got the whole fan base hating on you and if you are pissed off and you've been treating badly because let's not forget the bomb squad was essentially uh five or six players being told yeah you're not playing which was a weird situation because all these guys were like all senior players weren't they on big wages and you're thinking this is a bizarre situation because lambert's really trying to exert his authority it's not like we were even winning. No, Breed is young, blood in, but it's hard to have them motivated if you've got all these people on crazy wages are getting paid much bigger wages than they are and not actually playing. It's it's hard to find how their psychology works. And then he had to kind of go back and start to reintroduce these players and then Sherwood came along and obviously got them all involved again. It's uh, it, was, it was a real shit show there. I mean, the whole club was uh, just stunk and uh, we're still trying to recover from that situation that's been rotting away for over a decade now and uh hopefully i mean it's going to be a miracle but if we can survive that will be uh i think it'll be a huge uh moment in villa's history in terms of turning this uh ship around because if we go back down then uh you know some of the old ways and thinking may come back and we might start to wallow and then it you turn into leeds forest sheffield wednesday don't you yes I mean, it, it speaks for the guy, and I, and I know there was there were supposedly problems. He, he, he discovered a heart condition, didn't he? Which, when he left Villa in 2016, his heart wasn't in it. Well, no, and um, he was obviously looking for a new club and was looking to go back to France. I believe it was Nantes, and they obviously he, he didn't pass the medical because he was meant right. to go to India, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. that just then he just kind of disappeared because he was even attributed to a club. And then he just disappeared off yeah. the radar. So basically, because he'd had a, a a pretty serious heart condition, by all accounts, similar to things like Fabrice Mwamba, and there's quite a few players who have these underlying issues, and they don't, you know, sometimes tragically they don't realise until it's too late. Yeah. Um, I know James Taylor, the cricketer, had something kind of similar, um, and they discovered it, and he just he had to retire the next day. So I think oh, it yeah, looks yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like it's something very similar to that where Enzogbird left Villa, was looking, you know, as a free agent, looking at what his options were, managed to find a club, didn't pass the medical. Once you start looking at, well, why haven't I passed? Mm-hmm. Then, of course, you open up a can of worms, and I think it, it, it would have become quite apparent because he's not an old guy even now. He's still only be about 33 now, and he's, you know, he's been out of football for four years. Yeah. Um, Do we know so what he's doing now? Young, no idea. Um, a relatively young guy to you know retire when he did i mean it'd be interesting actually he was i remember him uh he had a custom-made poker table that said lifestyle on it because that became his uh catchphrase and his hashtag or whatever anyway let's uh let's wrap this uh up uh mr charles Zogbia, overrated or underrated unbelievably overrated unbelievably incredibly without a shadow of a doubt underrated <laughs> yeah, I thought it I was underrated. If only they just gave him a chance. <laughs> didn't, didn't put him in the bomb squad. We we would have won that FA Cup because he'd have been he'd have felt more loved, and then he would have put on a performance, and we'd have exactly. hammered Arsenal. And then he'd have got his big move that he felt. He, we, he wanted a free roll, yeah. a flamboyant roll. 
he, he would have he would have scored a hat trick against Arsenal. Would have won the FA Cup. Then Arsenal would have said we want a bit of that, and they'd have bought him the next season. Fifty million pounds. Or it wouldn't have been a floppy-haired messiah named Grealish who'd have been the uh, the poster boy for Villa. <laughs> It'd be a stroppy Frenchman. It'd have been happy endings all round. Villa win the FA Cup, finally. Charles and Zogbia gets his dream move to Arsenal and everybody lived happily ever after. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. I'm going overrated <laughs> in his own lifetime. All right, that was uh, two players that uh, Dan Rogers still has posters of above his bed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next right, to Alan Wright. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you very much uh, for joining us uh, once again. Uh, if you are not of the faint-hearted, uh, please do join us in Match Club for Survival Sunday. It should be a bit of an epic one there. And uh, please do subscribe on Spotify, on iTunes, or any other good podcast app. We appear in them all. Right, uh, until next time, any final words, uh, gents? There's a job to do. Let's get it done now. I'm not concerned. It'll all be fine. What could yeah. possibly just go a quick, wrong? Just, it's just a little quick... It's like a, a sprint for home now, isn't it? <laughs> no, Chris, it's more like, you know, those marathon races where you've where you got the person mm. who's walking bow-legged and swaying to the left <laughs> is, or right. Is, is, it, is it more like, uh, was it the Brownlee brothers who uh, one of them had to carry him over the line? <laughs> the, the final, the, the, the finishing line's in sight, but your body's breaking down rapidly. Can we Can we get over the line? Will, we'll find out that by the next time we speak. Yeah, by six o'clock on Sunday. Yeah. It'll be fine. I don't know what you're worried about. Right. Until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye, Vida friends. What was the other one? We had a Mark Delaney song. I can't remember what it was. Uh, Mark Delaney. <laughs> he'll sleep with your nan. Mark Delaney. He was cheaper than spam. That was the words. <laughs> Uh, away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com and there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.